In 2014, I read an article by an executive coach named Lali Daskal, and she explained the origin of the Mahatma Gandhi quote, be the change you wish to see in the world. When I was preparing for this evening's program, I thought about that article because our guest I'm about to introduce reminded me of everything I read in that article. And what Lovely stated was, whatever changes you would like to affect in our society has to begin with you. And she went on to say, let your every moment be an example of what you teach and counsel. Let your every word and action be a reflection of your beliefs. And what she said is the best leaders the world has ever known are the reformers who were accountable and responsible for their own change. She concluded the article by stating that changing our face changes nothing, but facing our change changes everything. Welcome to A Climb to the Top Stories of Transformation on Talk Radio 77 WABC. I'm Chuck Garcia, and my guest this evening is Terry Turok, who is Chief Innovation Officer for an organization called Enactus. And while I'll let Terry describe the organization, I want to just pronounce something very clearly. Enactus, E, entrepreneurial, A, action, uh, us, meaning community. Welcome to Enactus, and Terry, welcome to the show. Chuck, what a pleasure to be here. What an interesting intro to... Uh, very intriguing about change and being the uh, agent of change. How do we become the agent of our own change? And then when do we recognize it's happening? Some Sometimes we're often altruistic about that seed that we think we wanted to do, that aha moment whenever it lands, and sometimes in childhood, sometimes in high school, sometimes in college, and sometimes we're just always chasing it. But when you grab that seed of that moment, how do you hang on to it and how do you, how do you nurture it so you... Um, really a great pleasure to be here. A uh, lot of gratitude. Chuck, I love what you do. I, um, Enactus is really an interesting opportunity, and I'd love to tell you about the, the pathway to get there. But we often take that altruistic seed that we all had when we were young, we nurture it. So if you've got a passion, if you've got fire and passion, then we help grow that into performance and then move it into purpose. So all we ask for is bring us your passion. We'll help and support your purpose and surround you with the love and the support, the values, the tools you need for optimum performance at, in university and post-university in order to move into a life of, of purpose. What does that mean? Social innovation, social entrepreneurship, really purpose-based businesses. And when you look at the day we're in today, the year 2020, I feel like... We were born and raised for this moment. 2020 could be our best year ever. It's a year of vision. It's a year of opportunity. It's a year of disruption. It's a year that typically an entrepreneur would want, but maybe not in this way. Mother Nature is no longer whispering to us. Um, it's very loud and clear and very apparent. So at Enactus Check, we, um, we help university students connect with great business leaders, great mentors, and help them become uh, on a pathway to next-gen leaders and a life of purpose. Before we dive into your story of transformation, can you just make Enactus tangible? What does it mean to an institution that has Enactus and what do they do? Awesome. Thank you, Chuck. You know, for our Enactus uh, students, next-gen leaders, they typically join us on uh, one of our 1,730 campuses across 36 countries, and we're quickly expanding. But is there 
opportunity to have experiential based learning. I would like to think of it as adventure learning, but it's learning about the community. So what does that mean? It, in most cases, they're not getting college credit. It means that they've got something in their heart and something in their brain that drives them to be a global citizen, to have a bigger view of the world, the greatest possible context. So for those students, they have an experience guided by those on campus that provide great theory, grounds them in great theory. We provide that experience to go into communities, do a needs assessment, stop and listen to the needs of not only the community by needs of people, but also in case of how do we make this prosperous? How do we make this sustainable? And is the environment at risk? So as opposed to looking around the world as a problem, where's the problem, where's the problem? It's also looking at a lens of seeing what is beautiful. What is beautiful in the world? How might we protect it? How might we nurture it? How might we grow it? How might we turn it into an amazing opportunity? And some of those opportunities are take a project that you're experiencing in college and then move it into a potential business. So you get to work through your team and you're saying, hey, I think we have an opportunity to turn this into a sustainable opportunity that we've got a business here that we can work out with the community. So it might be a learning opportunity, it might be taking recycled plastics into 3D printers and making prosthetics. Um, there's a whole chain of opportunities working with disadvantaged communities, uh, working with former incarcerated. There is a plethora of amazing projects around the world from deep in the Amazon to Uttar Pradesh, India, to China, to all over North America. Uh, and they are looking at opportunities to say, wow, could this do something for ourselves as well as the community? Could we make this into a sustainable business? Well, some of them move it into a .org. Some of them um, use it as a learning experience. Some of them transfer that project to their underclassmen as they graduate and move on. And then some of them turn them over to the community itself. Really amazing stuff. And one question before we change topics. You are the chief innovation officer, which means what? <laughs> it means that not only does anybody else not sure what I do, it's actually just it's a really That's an opportunity it. to write your own job description. It, it, it is a um, it is really to first of all listen and to, and to be reminded that if if we're not learning and not listening, we're not innovating. And sometimes people get misled by innovation that it has to be technology based. Innovation is what's available to us with the resources available. And it also means that it doesn't have to be an original idea. An original idea could be innovative. But what it's important is that it's collaborative opportunity for positive deviance, best practices to say, wow, there's seeds of an idea happening deep in the Amazon, or Elon Musk is engaging in open sourcing, and it's identifying what is that innovation, how do we nurture it, and how do we put it to work for us? It's social innovation so that it's measured by is, is, it, is it advancing people? Is it advancing prosperity? And is it not damaging the planet and hopefully supporting the planet? When you graduated from college, what did you set out to do and what did you do? I had a very specific seed of an idea that wouldn't go away. I couldn't quiet it. It was that aha moment that says, I wanna take stories from the quiet corners of the world and share them out loud. I wanted to take important stories. When, when I was in my college career, I wanted to be a war correspondent. I wanted to volunteer for the Peace Corps. Neither was available to me at the time. And in fact, I knew it so well that I, I attempted to fast track it by going to a small school in the Midwest, getting out of school, and then realizing that um, 
to really even to volunteer in the Peace Corps, I needed to have better second language skills. Didn't have it. Uh, wanting to be a war correspondent, I didn't have the chops. I wasn't ready. I just had the intention. I had the attention. What was taking off at that time, Chuck, uh, I went into the dark side. I, entertainment marketing was exploding. And so I took on projects. If I looked at my resume there, it looked like a mess. But everything had a beginning, a middle, and an end. And it was a deep experience. I couldn't know that unless I was looking at it in retrospect, but ended up going off into all kinds of amazing projects that led to a lot of A-list artists, that led to a lot of great entertainment, led to sponsorship. I worked with MTV for a while, some of their tours. I recently found out I'm the OG of OG of eSports uh, by <laughs> launching uh, something Not a called bad the, distinction. <laughs> yeah, is uh, launching, um, working on the 1990 Nintendo World Championships. Yep, and then uh, move that into a TV show that I produced called Video Power, uh, and that was the genesis of esports. But that's not what I wanted to do. I had no idea, even if I knew that esports, I had an inkling that esports would blow into a, a huge industry. That was not my view. That was not my vision. I, and and so I just took a look at every one of those opportunities and said, okay next what's next what's next but all in my mind i really wanted to return to center my center check was really to get back on purpose how am i going to get those quiet stories and it took a lot of time i i had opportunities to work with some really great a-list artists from everybody from elton john to phil collins to uh, working with alicia keys even even uh, george clooney matt damon kevin bacon many many uh many of those that while i appreciate it my richest, deepest, most wonderful conversations I would have with them is when they were off stage and we were talking about what was deep inside of their heart, what was important in their cause. Talking to Elton John about AIDS, talking to Alicia Keys about orphans of AIDS and working with her to help support her, um, in the case of George Clooney, helping create a, a presentation at the United Nations about Darfur. A long path of entertainment, and I didn't know what the learning experience was until I looked back on that climb, Chuck, which was having a share of voice in the world. How perhaps too easily or sometimes without responsibility or without taking note, you can move a huge amount of humans into a place that might not have been intentional. You can sell a lot of sugar water. You can move the needle on a brand 0.0112 and help out the shareholders. But what really kept in my heart and kept never left is, are you doing what you were meant to do? You got a lot of passion, Terry. You can measure a lot of performance, but the so what factor is, are you on purpose? And as you were climbing these very different kinds of mountains, journalist, filmmaker, what were you to the world and what were you to yourself? Yeah, unnamed. You know, you, right. you laughed about chief innovation officer, but when I did it, I just took whatever role, like it didn't matter what the title was, but I played an intimate role in either, you know, if a traditional, like being the creative director, the producer, whatever. I love to see things from the very inception of the creative process, ideation, love ideation, love to move that then into a left brain scenario and got right down to the final nitty gritty of execution. So from start to finish, as long as it had an end of the story, I could hold my breath for a year get it done like nobody's business. So took on different roles. It wasn't, uh, there was nothing in me that desired to climb a corporate ladder or take on a role other than to 
have that learning experience. And at the time, you know, there's a lot of glitz and spotlight, you know, and, and never trying to get lost when you're working with big entertainment. Um, you're, you're not the party, you're just throwing it. And so I, but I never, none of it was never, it wasn't important enough. So my true North really shined, you know, thankfully it shined pretty bright for me to go, no, this isn't it. That isn't it. Uh, and then there was just a couple of key moments. That was a pivot point, Chuck. Yeah. And there is a country called the Democratic Republic of the Congo, of which we haven't read too much about over the last decade, but we know there's a lot going on. Relate to us what you were doing in those countries and give us an example of a, a climb, so to speak, an interaction that hasn't left you in all these years. Yeah. You know, it's almost hard to use the analogy of a, of a climb at that moment because I felt I was sinking and maybe even into the lowest form of humanity. I can't even refer to it as humankind, but there was a couple of key moments. 9-11 was one of them. I wanted to finish a project that I was able to do at the Empire State Building with Kevin Bacon, get that done. And, um, and then prior to that, I had a moment where um, I was working with Phil Collins, who, who wanted to uh, feed the homeless and his sponsorship. And that, that, was, that re-reminded me that after 9-11, I finished the project at the Empire State Building and then I volunteered. And I went, first of all, into the Middle East. I wanted a deep understanding of culture. I wanted to return to center. I also found myself uh, throughout Sub-Saharan Africa and not only spending days, but weeks and then months. And I had an opportunity to volunteer um, somewhat as a journalist, uh, story capturing, and what happened to me at that moment, Chuck, I found myself um, deep into areas of um, hard work, hard work for humanity, um, went with a couple of different organizations as a volunteer, deep into the Congo, uh, working with child soldiers, girl soldiers that had been wounded so poorly they had fistula, no control over the, their bowels, just seeing the worst of humankind. And as I was wandering through uh, um, a place called, uh, up in the uh, tip of, of Kenya, a place called El Wak, uh, pretty much a, 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 a area of conflict. Uh, there was a man that was following me around uh, quite a bit. And I was with two interpreters and, and a camera at the time. And he, he kept following me around, following me around. And, and, uh, and I asked the interpreter, I go, what does that guy want? And, and they, they went and chased after him. And I carried on. They said, what did, what did he want? He said, oh, oh, he, he just wanted his picture taken. I was like, okay, great. Where, where is he? Let, let's, let's do that. Um, and I, w I was with a great journalist friend at that time, James. And, and uh, so we took his picture and off he went. And then I asked the interpreter, I said, why did he, why did he want his picture taken? And it was like, I, I, I don't know. Let's go, go find out. Let's go check it out. He, he comes back. So why did he want his picture taken? He said, he didn't want to be forgotten. And um, so, and, and having how, how, made, how old is he? What do you think? Uh, he, he, I would say the man was um, probably in his late forties, maybe fifties. You know, uh, very weathered look. So, in in one sense, could have been ageless. And I realized I never had the man's name, but I had his picture, and he didn't want to be forgotten. So, Chuck, big lesson there was: okay, you want to go get a story. You want to tell You want to tell stories from the from the quiet corners, there's one. There's a man that you don't even know his, his story, and here you are, Terry. A couple of days later, Chuck, I'm in the um, I'm in the Congo. I'm in South Kivu and the DRC, and I'm talking to child soldiers. We're playing music and art, and I'm in a hidden camp. 
working and interviewing all these child soldiers, one in particular stood out. His name was Pi Pi, wearing a, a Lakers uh, uniform. Good-looking kid, 14 years old, athletic build, not an ounce of body fat. And I'm talking to him. We're doing artwork. And, um, and I said, Pi Pi, you know, um, have you ever killed anybody? And he said, yes, sir, I have. And I said, can you tell me how many people? He said, 19 people. And I said, how, how do you know you killed 19 people? He said, it was my job to know. I started when I was 12. And I said, um, 19 people, how did you kill them? He said, with my gun, my bayonet, and my bare hands. Um, and he said, uh, four of them was his family members. And Pi Pi, I said, then, um, did you rape any women? Uh, did, what else happened? He said, yes, sir, I, ra I raped a woman at, at gunpoint. I was 12 years old. And I said, hi, hi, I'm really, I'm sorry. Um, and I, I was asking myself the question, Chuck, at the time, am I, am I talking to a criminal, a victim, or just a boy? And some, some sense of all three. And when I asked him about uh, raping a woman, he said, I said, how did you feel? He said, I was exhausted and later ashamed. And he did it at gunpoint. So you could say, well, that's just a faraway story in a, quiet corner of the world. And Terry, isn't that what you wanted to do? Now I had that story. Now what was I going to do? And even if it ended up somewhere on the corner page of the New York Times, then so what? What about that? What about that? And so in deeper investigation to say, well, why would this boy become a child soldier? When you really unravel that and unpack it, what was fueling that child soldier was a difference in his life that he could feel like a, he belonged. And, and how they were able to recruit child soldiers is because there's a small element inside of all of our cell phones that they were mining and making profit from. And so while we may think, oh, that's a problem somewhere in the Congo, we're all contributing to it in our cell phones. So suddenly, now I had that story. That's what I always wanted to. There was no way back in college I could have been responsible because even then, as a mature man, I didn't know what to do with that story either. I just know Chuck, it never left me. And so I immediately moved into what to do, what to do. And um, from that moment, I felt I was in refugee camps with no sewage, children running everywhere. It was the worst of humanity. You know, sometimes when we complain about things in North America or US, I'd love to transport people there and say, here's just some context, here's just some context. But what happened for me, Chuck, I became overwhelmed. And it was a lot of sleepless nights, many, many trips stage. And somebody told me about this group called Enactus. I'm like, hmm, the strange name, never heard of it. And, and I flew from uh, Cape Town, South Africa. Okay, hold on for my... just a second. Let me do a yeah, second. Yeah, cool, man. Thank, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. You're listening yeah, no. to a climb to the top, Stories of Transformation on Talk Radio 77 WABC. I'm Chuck Garcia. And my guest this evening is Terry Tarek. Terry, after, thank you for sharing your story that you know, gets to the heart, I think, of any human being who can relate to you have seen the worst in humanity. How do you come back to America and what do you do with it? So explain your integration to Enactus. Yeah, it's uh, so now you have these stories in your head and your heart. And, um, you know, I use the child soldiers, one example, the young girl soldiers, but also in the refugee camp. And it feels overwhelming. It feels like I there's no uh, there's not enough of me. There's nothing I can 
uh, it's too it's too big to comprehend and it's tough and there's good people working in that space what could i possibly do so when i came back to the us i also felt disenfranchised with with friends like i didn't you know weekend conversations were different for me and they noticed it in me and i felt bad like i wasn't I wasn't able to share on a, on a level that I, I felt responsible for, for sharing this information. And I, you know, I think they were like, yeah, what, you know, <laughs> they're very, they were kind, but I could tell that it was hard to connect. And so I couldn't, couldn't leave that. And so at, at some point, Chuck, uh, giving some talks about um, these experiences and then deep in my heart wondering what to do, I had an opportunity to go from Cape Town, South Africa, where I was doing some work in a township with a wonderful organization called uh, Lalela uh, at the time, uh, and also with Build On, two great organizations. And I wanted to experience what somebody told me about Enactus. And so I thought, oh, okay, the last opportunity I had to see it was in Sao Paulo. Uh, I thought I could just fly across from Cape Town, no such luck. I didn't have my passport stamps. So I flew back, got expedited for the United Nations, went back to Sao Paulo, and I saw a sea of solutions. I met an active students in Sao Paulo, Brazil. I met some of the most beautiful, remarkable young human beings guided there by a gentleman by the name of Clever. And in watching that story, I didn't know when I got to Sao Paulo that they would be presenting their projects in Portuguese. <laughs> you don't speak so, Portuguese, do you? There's the old <laughs> lesson from, hey, you don't have a second language, you can't even volunteer as a Peace Corps. And what happened at that moment is language went away. It didn't matter. I didn't know their words, but I felt it. It was powerful. And it has never left me. Um, Enactus, there are many organizations that are in the space of Enactus helping young people find their purpose with their passion. But Enactus was particularly interesting to see the stage and the voice that they gave young people that don't have a stage and don't typically have a voice. And so most of your listeners probably never heard of this thing called Enactus. But it is time we start to think about what are those kind of organizations out there, Chuck, where young people doing amazing things on great adventures, and how do we give them the kind of spotlight that they deserve that happens in sports, that happens in esports, that happens in um, the other worlds of media. They're not out making um, news by protesting. They're quietly doing projects and not advocating. We all have a voice and we have a, a freedom of, of speech and this amazing right that we have. But I'm, I'm also offering that these students don't do it for that. They do it for the deep, purpose of moving and advancing projects for humankind. I, I want to explore something else because I think this is universal. After you have gone through your stories of Pi Pi and the 50-year-old gentleman who didn't want to be forgotten, you come back to the American, we're complaining there's not enough meat on the shelves, there are not enough eggs in the refrigerator. How do you come to grips with the perspective that others see and you you can't imagine, what are you complaining about? Burden or opportunity? Help our listeners understand your point of view. Yeah, everybody's issues are real. You know, even when I, I, I come home here, I have two beautiful boys, uh, Elijah Genesis and Justice. And Elijah is a content creator, a rebel with a cause, young, great personality, goes to UC Boulder. I like he's him older. already. Yeah, he's super <laughs> cool kid. 
And his older brother, uh, Justice, um, he is uh, a big boy, six foot two, looks like a big football player. He has about 50 words to his repertoire. <laughs> He's, uh, I mean that, Chuck. He's a taxic and a praxic and on the low end of the spectrum. So well, you um, know I'm where you stand it. with him. Yeah, man. So he's my lesson in being very, very present. And I use that as an, as an example as, as such. Even coming back home, coming back to the States, that's real to me. Whatever we live with and our challenges are real to us. If we can visit the greater context and compare where are we in the world, it doesn't make our problems any less or, or should be quieted. It's just good to get that perspective because all of the issues that we're fighting for, some of them feel like luxury in America when you compare the issues in other countries. That doesn't make our issues any less. It means we should continue to build, to be greater, to challenge ourselves, to be tough on ourselves, to create that greatness. One thing I, I wanted to, to, to help, help helps me center myself is my why. And I think about my two boys, Elijah and Justice, as, as my pillars. And I look at Justice, and he'll need caregivers all of his life. Um, he is a low end of the uh, autistic spectrum. And it, it says to me that if one of us can look out for two of us, then there is enough of us for all of us. Mm, it's beautiful and poetic. Wow, powerful. Um, and it's, it's just true everywhere in the world. On average, if one of us can look out for two of us, then there's enough of us for all of us. And it helped me unpack the load of responsibility to say, wow, I'm in this refugee camp. Wow, I'm in, you know, with these child soldiers. Wow, the deforestation, it's overwhelming. And so when we take a look at what we can get our arms around, what we can do in the scope of our world and just say, wow, if one of us could look out for two of us, then isn't there enough of us for all of us? This time has flown, and I, I want to announce to our listeners, to our listeners on Talk Radio 77 WABC who are listening live, unfortunately, we're going to have to bring this to an end in a minute or two. For those of you that want to hear the entire interview, go to my YouTube channel. So if you go to Chuck Garcia and, and Google YouTube, you're going to find this whole interview. For those of you that archive any of our episodes, you'll go to Chuck Garcia to the dot com to the 77 WABC radio tab. Terry, in the time that we have remaining for our WABC listeners, let's get to the fundamental question we ask every guest. What do you want our listeners to think, feel, and do? Let's start with one. What do you want them to think about themselves and their careers? If we can wake up in the morning and start with gratitude, that's one of those checks to say, if it's tough to feel gratitude, then, then we, can, we can check our own course to say, wow, how are we in the world? So facing the world with gratitude isn't always easy, but it's a good start. Uh, starting with curiosity always keeps us young and fresh. And then thinking about what am I doing I'm looking forward to that's bigger than me? Am I doing something that I am greater than the with others, the sum of all of our parts. What's my, what's my, what's my synergy? And I also think about Chuck about um, leading with values. You know, it's not just a moniker on a building. Like integrity is the essence of everything and it's a nice word. Well, integrity is also was one of the values of Enron. So it's not a word. Values are something that we commit to live, breathe and check ourselves every day. We're not perfect, but we need to um, have that North star and guide to. 
I think, Chuck, we're in an, an amazing age of media where we consume and binge watch stuff. And we need to do it for escape, no doubt. It's absolutely wonderful to sit down at the end of the day and, and, and escape. But what I think that we have this opportunity unique in 2020 to be the best year ever, to have great vision and to bring quiet stories from around the world and start to share them out loud as our true north, as our fuel, as our aspiration, as our heroes. If we have stages all over the world and stadiums and concerts dedicated to great talent, then what about the young people changing the world for good? How about putting them on a world stage for a change? And that is a perfect place to change to our listeners on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Chuck Garcia. You can reach me at chuck at kleinleadership.com or go to our website, chuckgarcia.com. Our guest this evening was Terry Tarek. Terry, thank you so much for coming on to the show. And if you could, please stay on. So we're going to continue this interview on YouTube. To our 77 WABC listeners, good night. See you next week. What a pleasure, Chuck. Thank you. Terry, indeed. So let's, let's stay on now. We'll, we'll cut the tape this way. Um, thank you for all those wonderful stories, particularly y- you are bringing a perspective to many of us as, as hard as times seem to many of the worlds that you have seen. That's just another day at the office. And I really appreciate you coming back home to the United States to work in the service of other people's success at Enactus. Let's explore that for a moment then. What do you do in the service of a college student who comes to you with this budding idealism? I wanna save the whales, the children in the world, but how old are you, 18? Okay, maybe there's other things that we need to build around besides your idealism. What do you say to them? Yeah, cool. So we, I try to chunk it down and listen first, be very interested as I, I really am. They are my fuel. And sometimes they have their why, and sometimes they don't. And sometimes the why gets overstated. It's like, you know, they say the two most important days in your life is the day you were born, the day you find out why. And Indeed. But I also often get them to say, hey, do you have your why? Now, don't use that as pressure. If you don't, it's cool. Go get a bunch of what's. Go fill up what's, fuel your passion. And then let's talk about not only the how, but the when. So the how is something is, do you have a method? Do you have a path? If you got a goal, how are you going to get there? Let's map it out. So we talk a lot about putting it out on a map, literally a life map and a, a goal map. And we, we do that a lot with, um, with, with a lot of students all over the world. It's really spectacular. And everybody should have a goal map or a life map. And then we talk about the win, because it's one thing to enjoy video games. It's another thing to play a little bit more, play past midnight, go blow into the evening, maybe binge watch, and then wake up too tired to actually get to the win. (laughs) So managing our precious time is the one thing that I let, let them fully appreciate and realize that, hey, you might be anxious about saving whatever that is right now. It's going to happen, man. Keep it right there in front of you. But let's talk about that when and that how. And then the other thing, Chuck, is a lot of the students I work with, is, it's heavy stuff, man. I mean, they're, you know, they're working on really tough, challenged um, communities. Um, it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot on, the, on a young person's mind and heart, I know. 
um, been, been living it. And so I also say, look, entertain the bigger picture. If you're not enjoying, if you're not having fun with what you're doing, then what on earth are we doing here? So try to really help the life balance of where's the joy. And I, I try to use the frame adventure, adventure learning, you know, and, and, and just where's the adventure? Because if you, if you frame it as adventure and you frame it as joy, you'll bring others along with you. And man, there's nothing like a good road trip. Yeah, you bring others with you. That's a good point. Let's talk about that. In the last two words of the, of the word in Actus, it's us. And we love that term because this is us, popular TV show, us. What you said earlier in your quote is really how we build communities. If there's enough of us or there's two of us, that's enough for all of us. And the actors talk about all of us is better than any one of us. How do you build your communities in an actus, given the need for people? They want to compete, they want to win, all that. But there's something so much more to an actus than that. Talk about that. It's funny. Behind me, there's a there's a there's a board. There's there's us. Right. Got that one. And then I have these two. <laughs> Not they. I'll say that for anyone who doesn't have a visual on us. Terry held up yeah. us and not they. I get that. <laughs> yeah. And um and and what's important about that, I have a, a great colleague Hoffman is he's there is no they. You know, they'll do this, they do that, they the government, they those people. If you take they out of your language set and say there's only us. And if you look at the spinning ball that we're on flying through the air at 106,000 kilometers per hour spinning, traveling around the sun, also our whole universe is moving, then the galaxy is moving. And you look at us back at Earth, you go, you'd think we'd be doing everything possible just to hang on. So I look (laughs) at that and say, if we could just pull out and go, that's us. There is no they. So it's up to us. And so, you know, said on planet Earth, there's no passengers, only crew. (laughs) <laughs> we're all driving <laughs> yeah, when, when you help you know when you make a conscious choice to check your language you know sometimes you're like hey every time i say they check yourself because that, that's just your brain trying to group a bunch of humans into a behavior that probably doesn't fit and if you drill in there's no two people alike so there's no they such capacity there's no there is no such thing as they and so when we think of the world as us chuck and enact us it's like, what can we do? And, you know, we're born into this moment in the most amazing time on earth. And we're here for just a short run, man. It's us. Yeah. I love your optimism. I want to conclude is there are a lot of college students that I'm yeah. certain are listening, not just my students, yeah. but you know, that's a big community. I want to talk what, what they often come to me for career advice. What I talk about is mindset and I talk about skill set and I say they are equal. Don't just think that teaching you a bunch of skills is good enough. It's not. But I would love your advice to the college students, both in Actus and otherwise. In this day and age, what are the three pieces of be it skill set or mindset? I I, that they're interchangeable. Yeah. What do you suggest they focus on developing to climb their mountain of success? Yeah, cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna riff off your um, skill set and mindset. I really like that frame, Chuck. Thank you for doing that. Your your students have um, 
wow, a lot to benefit from you. So if I, if I was looking at skill set and mindset, maybe on the top of that, I would put theory. And on the bottom of that, I would put experience. Because I often ask students, what's, what's more important, theory or experience? You can pick one. A lot of times when I'm out there talking to students, they talk about experience, 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 which is cool. And I invite them to have an experience, get an experience, make it an adventure. But when we talk about businesses, we talk about those that have the most experience. You can stack up Blockbuster Video, you could put Polaroid cameras out there, you could put Kodak in there, you could put Ford Motor Company in there. Was it the ones with the most amount of experience that are accelerating accelerating now. No, they have the right theory. So Instagram blows Polaroid out of the water and, and makes them, uh, you know, who, who made Blockbuster obsolete. Here comes uh, Amazon and Netflix. So having the right theory, knowing what you're in. So I, I, I love your uh, mindset skill, skill set frame. I would then also um, put to that uh, theory and then, and then testing that theory with your friends and, and making sure your professors and those that can support you in that theory, making sure you get experience. And then inside of that, I would put fuel your passion, optimize your performance, mm, mm, really get to know and articulate your purpose. And so when I think about passion, performance, purpose as your roadmap, I love your mindful, skillful. I would then add to that top is what theory are you on? Is it obsolete? Are you on a good theory? And is it in balance with your experience? Yeah, well, I think that that lends itself. The theory is certainly helping people to think, not just think about the subject matter, but to think differently about themselves. Mm -hmm. And if there's anything that I try to do in the classroom, it's really not skill-based. Certainly, I teach communication skills and I teach a social science called emotional intelligence. Those Mm -hmm. are important to me in the evolution of my own career. And it's what I know. So it's what I teach others because I know what worked for me. I can't say I know what works for everybody else, but it's guys like you and me that I think part of our mission is to help them to stop thinking about the grades and the achievement necessarily, more about the roomy quote that we open up this show with on the radio is, yesterday I was clever and I wanted to change the world. Today, I am wise, so I am changing myself. And what I love about Enactus is you inspire people to think about how to change themselves, but you don't use those words. I do, because it's part of my mission to be very clear. I am not here to teach you a skill set. I'm here to help you to change yourself. Mm. That's what you do. Do you think of it that way? You know, often no. I mean, and not as a forethought, Chuck. To be fair, sometimes you you listen first, lead them down, help them support a, a pathway of passion, and let them discover themselves in the road trip. Right. Sometimes when you point it out, you can stumble over it. It could be a roadblock. It could be a speed bump. So taking, you know, a road trip to a destination, it's discovering that aha moment for people happens at their own time frame. Hard to force, you can give them the tools to listen, to check, but when you get to point it out as an, as an operation of listening in, with great intent, helping guide them, and when they get to that aha moment, be there, surrounded with love, support, kindness, all that good stuff, man, because you know, Chuck, you know, your parents try to teach you stuff, you weren't ready for it, no way, man. And, you know, the, the other thing I, I think about a lot, it's funny, you know, we, 
at Anactus where we stand on stages and there's a lot of a lot. adults that stand up and go, you guys are going to change the world and it's your world and, you know, it's on your hands. And, you know, my son heard that. He's like, Dad, it's like you guys threw a party for 100 years and you want us to clean it up. <laughs> He's a wise man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, so I say to students, if anybody tells you, you know, the world's your oyster and this is you and you're going to change it, I said, look them square in the eye and just remind them they ain't dead yet. Long we, we are in partnership. I am learning just like my students are learning, and we're on the same spinning ball flying through space at who knows how fast. Uh, so we're all learning together and, and just, man, listen better, be more interested, share what we know, try not to profess it as static information, but dynamic information, and do the best we can and be very, very open and honest. Uh, this, 20, this year, 2020, Man, I hope, I hope we all get vision. I hope it's yeah. the best year ever. Oftentimes, you know, the, the, the great innovations of the world come out of the darkness and the abyss. Yeah. And I am very optimistic about what we're going to learn out of this because we're going to come back better. We're going to come back different. And that's a good thing. Yeah. I think we're going to come back in a way where I stand on the foundation of my coaching and my teaching that we're all each other's teachers. I'm yeah. not the sage on the stage. You're not the sage. We're, we're the guides on the side. We're helping people guide them up that mountain mm. to help them to realize, you know, what, what am I bringing to the world? What, mm. what is that contribution? So we're going to leave here to our listeners. Terry, what a pleasure. Thank you for coming into my life for one. <laughs> Chuck, it's so each other's cool. life on LinkedIn. It was. I, yeah, it's, it's cool. That's another thing is just, you know, making sure your profile is, uh, you know, is um, engaging. And Chuck, I, Look, what an honor. I love what you do. Thank you for what you do in the world. 77, by the way, one of my favorite numbers in the world. <laughs> yeah, I'm very, they're a great partner. I'm yeah, so blessed. We're off there, but we have, good a, to me. we have a 77 second film festival at Anactus. <laughs> you know, check anybody who wants to learn a little bit more about um, Anactus can go to anactus.org and explore. Yeah. Just explore, ask questions. There are other organizations out there, and I hope that we all line up and link to what's greater than all of us and what's the important purpose. I love what I do, I love Anactus. I invite anybody to jump in, take a look, learn, ask good questions. But Chuck, I am deeply grateful to you and this opportunity today. Uh, thank you for all you do. Thank, thank you, Terry. I'm really blessed. And to our listeners, particularly to our executive listeners, Enactus could always use executives, particularly for the competition, the tend to be the judges. Yeah. So uh, I know when the team that I was coaching, there were there were executives who were coaching that presentation that were from Walmart and Pepsi and a bunch of places. They all brought their hearts. They didn't just bring their minds. They brought their whole selves to work that day. And they really worked in their feedback was in the service of the success of our students. Yeah. There's no higher calling than that. that that's a beautiful thing. So Terry, Great to have you here. To our listeners, thank you for hanging in here on YouTube for 42 minutes or 44 minutes. To our ABC listeners, we appreciate you switching over to YouTube, but it's a pleasure. We will continue every week to tell stories of transformation, and a guest, it's guests like Terry that really makes me grateful to be able to help share those stories, and maybe through all of us, we'll figure out how to make 2020 the best year in the history of the world. So, Terry, thank you so much. Good night. Thank you for your passion, Chuck.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.